Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Happy New Year, everyone. How are you? Good to see you. No, really, how are you this new year? This is the first Sunday of the year. Amen. Good to see you out, and uh, yes, we are beginning a new series today, All Things Are Possible. With God, all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26, and uh, today I just want to focus in on our uh, time of prayer and fasting for the next 21 days, but uh, I want you to know that for the next three Wednesday nights, we starting this Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30, Right here in the sanctuary, we are going to be praying, and we just, I just want to encourage you to come out, and music will be played here, and you just come and find a place and pray, and part of our prayer and fasting, believing God for great things, so one hour of, of prayer uh, each Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, believing God for greater things ahead, and, um, but how many of you enjoyed the new song today, All Things Are Possible? Written by our worship team, Pastor Ryan, uh, Justin, and Ryan Thomas. So great. That was powerful. And uh, we're going to keep singing that this year as our theme song together. Also excited, Ryan Thomas is going to be our worship leader beginning this month at our Clearbrook campus. Amen. So that's exciting news. And we're excited about that. And uh, believing God for greater things ahead there in Clearbrook as well. What a great year ahead we're looking for. And I just want you, and I'm, I've been continuing to encourage our people to pray for Clearbrook that we can find a permanent location there. And so I want you to help focus our prayer so we can get the Clearbrook campus back to Sunday morning. And uh, we're just believing for a great year ahead with that and believing that. I, but I'm always amazed as we come in this time of prayer and fasting, that the many new people that fast for the very first time. And so I want to encourage you, if you have never fasted, that you would pray and fast with us for the next 21 days, because it is going to be great, because God is going to show himself strong on our behalf and believing for a year with God, all things are possible. Really, as you look at it, Scripture talks about this. Fasting is hungering for God. That's what it's about. And so that sounds so simple, I know, but I want to kind of break it down to some practicality today. I don't want to tell you when you fast, some things that you probably need to expect that at some point the fun wears off. And it's on the second day of the fast. Woohoo! How many of you knew that? And the third day gets even harder. All right, so you just need to know that and realize that right from the beginning. And at some point, it becomes a grind. At some point, when you want to quit the most, that's the time the fast is being the most effective. You need to know that. Not only is God taking notice of you while you're fasting, so is Satan. He's taking note when you and I pray and fast to our Creator. You know, there's something in all of our bodies called ghrelin. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's real. You can look it up. Ghrelin simply is what makes your stomach growl when you are hungry. Do you know that? 
Maybe you've been sitting down at a meeting and your stomach growls and it's awkward in the room and everybody looks your way, right? It's your stomach. And you and I can't stop it. It just comes out because we're hungry. We want something to eat. We're ready for that next meal or whatever it may be. And it's embarrassing, but it comes from the middle of your body and you and I have absolutely no control over it. Well, ghrelin is this hormone called the hunger hormone that every human has that causes your stomach to growl. And also, it's what triggers that feeling of hunger in your body. Nobody has to go around and try to remember to be hungry, right? Because you and I have ghrelin in us. God put it inside of us. It's there. And so it's a hunger hormone, and it causes us to growl from the middle of our body. Ghrelin assaults us every two or three hours. It comes on us, and our stomach growls. How many of you, your stomach growled today already? How many of you heard your neighbor's stomach growl already, right? Somebody. Yeah, you heard that growl, and you're like, wow, what is that? What? They must be really hungry. And so we realize that growling noise will only stop when you feed it a cookie or a Twinkie or, or maybe it's a cheeseburger. It will start to calm down, right? Because you got to feed that in your life. Nobody tries to remember to eat. That's for sure because you have a hunger hormone that stirs you up all through the day and says, feed me. You haven't been feeding me lunch or you haven't been feeding me dinner. It says, feed me, feed me, feed me. How many of you have good ghrelin that's working in you? How many of you? Oh my gosh, you freaking liars. I've got to call this out. This is less than the first service. I think we had 20. There's five of you here, you liars. How many of you have good ghrelin working inside of you? Yeah, wow. Goodness gracious. No, I'm going to ask all prim and proper from the beginning of the year. No, what I'm saying is, What you're going to think is God's recreating the miracle that he did in the book of Joshua. Remember that? When he made the sun stand still, right? That's how you're going to feel when you're fasting. It's going to feel like days are not moving and you're going to look at your watch. You're going to think it's 7 p.m. when really it's 9 a.m. in the morning. That's what it's going to feel like. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to paint this big glamorous picture. The outcome is a whole lot better than even what you go through. But God is going to speak to you and touch you. Time stands still when you're fasting. That's what it seems like. That's when you'll begin to understand what Jesus did. And he commanded that his disciples do in seasons of fasting and prayer. Because Jesus talked about it and he lived it. My point is this, that I pray that that I want God to give you and me such a spiritual and hormone for him that all through the fast, it will stir us that, to say, I need to read God's word. And, and, I, and I need to pray, and I, and I want to worship, and, and I need Jesus more than anything. I need him this year that I can't have another year like 2020, and we all said amen, amen with that. I don't, have to, I don't want to go another year just going through the motions of Christianity. Isn't that tiring, right? But I want to hunger for God and the things of God. I pray spiritually that there's a growl, there's something provoking you on the inside that says, I need God, I, I, uh, my family needs God, and I need to fast, and I need to pray and believe. And I'm praying that will become so real that it, it will, you and I will reach such a point where your spiritual life becomes as active as your snack life. Amen? That your spiritual life becomes just as active as your snack life, 
right? Right? When, when that hormone of hunger gets going, you're always looking for something sweet. You're looking for some chips, right? I'm praying that your spiritual hunger for God is as active as your hunger that you have for junk food, right? That, that, that when you don't pray, what you're going to feel is you're going to be just as miserable, miserable as when you feel as you don't eat. And at some point, it begins to grip you. The wrong motive. You know there's a wrong motive in fasting. Well, I need to lose a few pounds. That's a bad motive while you're fasting. I promise you that's going to wear off very quickly. And that's for sure. But the right motive is fasting is turning your focus off food and other things to focus on God and who Jesus is in your life. You know that annoying, that nagging hunger that we usually get from physical food now you will have the same nagging in your spiritual life, in every spiritual dimension for spiritual food. So much so that you will have a spiritual hunger grip you. I hope you get that. I just wonder today here that how many of you are hungry for God? And and are you willing to say in 2021 that I'm not willing to live this year uh, like I did last year? That, that really, I'm not willing to sit here and just go through the motions because I'm hungry for God. Fasting is hungering for God. Can you say that with me? Fasting is hungering for God. All along in our lives, we need to show God that we hunger for him and that nothing else can satisfy us. Listen, if you love God, you should show it. Amen? How many of you are with me? That it's more than just lip service that we give. More than just the other things that we say, oh God, I, I, I want to do that, but we never get around to do it, doing it. But, but when we love God, we really show him that we love him because we hunger for him and the things that are of him. Fasting is hungering for God because nothing else satisfies us. The book of 2 Kings chapter 7. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. There's this incredible story. I can't read all of it, but you can read it if you've never read it before. It's a great story. How this city was completely surrounded, and the children of Israel had been cut off, and all their inhabitants were under siege. And it was such a crisis, so much so, that they ran out of food. They were rationing their food. It was gone, and they are in an incredible, dire situation and condition. They became desperate because they didn't have anything to eat. They became so hungry that the Bible said the things that would normally be unacceptable to consume, they were now fighting over to consume. They're so hungry that they're fighting over the things that they normally wouldn't even eat and consume and take into their bodies. For example, the Bible says in this chapter that the people in the city became so hungry that for 80 pieces of silver, you could buy a donkey's head to eat. If that wasn't bad enough, the Bible gave another example in this chapter, and it said the people were so hungry that for five pieces of silver, you could buy a cup of dove's dung and uh, dove's waste to eat. This is how desperate they were. You see, when you're hungry, if you and I don't consume the right things to fill that hunger, you will begin to feed on other things you never said you would ever consume. If you and I don't ever direct our spiritual hunger in seasons and feed on spiritual things, that those hungers that aren't directed toward God and worship, towards the word and prayer and a greater relationship with Jesus, then those hungers will always direct you to the wrong things in your life and mine. You'll begin to feed on things that are carnal, begin to leave and will leave your soul on empty. 
and your soul will be crying out. It's been so long since you've had a life-giving relationship with me, God will say, with Jesus, because you're feeding on carnal things. But only the, a God-sized hunger can be filled by who God is, that many times we don't take time to feed on our hunger for God, and we try to substitute junk food, donkey's head, and dove's dung for the things that God can fill. If you're hungry for God, there's a couple things I want to just draw out of this passage today that I hope that it stirs you, and I hope that it provokes you, and your hunger for the Lord throughout these next 21 days and these next 12 months ahead, and that we would be stirred together. The first one is, is you must address that spiritual hunger for more of him. You and I have to address the spiritual hunger that we have. And if we don't address it, we will start filling it with useless things that never satisfy our longing. God is the only one that can fill the spiritual longings that we have. But we feed ourselves many times on another trip. We feed ourselves on another entertainment, on another distraction. Let's go here and let's go there and let's travel here and let's do this instead of trying to fill that hunger with God that there is a grumbling inside of us and that grumbling can only be filled by your creator. Amen. We were reminded at the outset, reminded at the outset of this year of Matthew 6:33 on how we are to seek when we seek him first and all these things will be added unto you the Bible says. It's in the seeking first of God. The Bible says in this passage of 2 Kings chapter 7 that there were lepers outside of that city and they were outcast. It's bad enough to be inside of the city at that time, but literally these people, these lepers were on the outside and they were people that are buying and eating donkey's heads and dove's dung and these guys were even more desperate because they were lepers and literally their life was falling apart because they are lepers and they are outcasts. And they were told this, you're not even important to be on the inside like the rest of us. And I want to just encourage you from the beginning of this year, don't ever let people tell you that you are not important. Can I hear an amen? amen. Don't dare let Satan tell you that you are not important and that you don't matter in 2021 because you do. Because sometimes the least likely people are the most hungry people. Do you hear me? The least likely people are many times the most hungry. Sometimes the people who are most disadvantaged and overlooked, that you are not gifted enough or you are not talented enough, but watch out if they have hunger because hunger can do for them what talent and gifting cannot do for them. Amen? We live in a world where talent and gifting is raised above everything else, and I think that's great. And we have talents and giftings that are given to us by our creator. But unfortunately, many times, the talents and the giftings are placed higher than our hunger for God. Show me somebody that's hungry for the Lord, and God will take them places because they're desperate for him. Amen? Because sometimes the least likely people are the most hungry people. In the story, there were four lepers outside the wall, outcasts. Their life was falling to pieces and they were hungry. In verse 3, their question was this, why sit here until we die? See, the only thing that will move you out of your comfort zone and out of your complacency and into the things that only God can do for you is through hunger. That's the only way that you and I will be satisfied. 
That truly is. The only thing that lifted the lepers out of their self-pity was hunger. The only thing that lifted them out of their excuses, we might as well, you know, we're all dying. The only thing that pushed them was hunger. That was the thing that, that kept driving them. And it moved them to their destiny. And it moved them to a brighter day. And the only thing that can do that for our lives is hunger. And hunger will drive you and push you. And fasting is hungering for God more than anything else. Fasting is hungering for God. Man, I, I, I don't have to take a, a raise of hands in this room and, and find out. I can tell you in the last two months, every person in this room has probably eaten very well. Right? You better believe it. So have I. But there comes a point in time in our life where we have to give up those things and focus our attention on the Lord and what he is saying to us. And it's a moment for us to fast, to show God we really do love you and we really do that and understand that by hungering, by fasting and praying to you. The Bible said there were four of them. One of them was sitting there with tacos on his mind. Another one had Krispy Kreme donuts. Another one Chick-fil-A on his mind. But one stood up and said, I can't sit here because I can't have another year like we just had. We're dying we're dying. Why are we sitting here until we die? He said in verse four, you know, if we enter the city, it will keep us alive and we will live. But if they kill us, we'll die. Now listen to this thinking in verse four, because this is pretty incredible. Now come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. Your word may say Aramaeans, if they keep us alive. Now you got to understand this guy had to be a college graduate. I'm sure of it because he said this, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall die. That's brilliant. I mean, my God, that's amazing. I mean, that's brilliance right there, right? Some of you are looking at me. That, that's funny too, right? Okay. But it's true. This guy understood. He was educated, right? That hunger drove them. He began to hunger. And he said, there's got to be more. Why are we going to sit here until we die? And it was hunger that began to move them toward the direction of the plan and the purpose and the miracle that God had for them. What we have to do is we're hungering for God. We have to address the hunger that we have for him. Number two, if you're hungry for God, know this. There are things that God will do for people when they hunger for him. Can I hear an amen? When you and I fast and pray, fasting is hungering for God. And when you begin to hunger for God, suddenly you move up out of the challenges and out of the comfort zone. You and I move up out of self-pity and out of depression and out of hopelessness. Hunger moved them and began to take steps towards the enemy's camp. That's what scripture shows us here. Things even got more desperate inside the walls of the city, so much so that it says in this chapter, the Bible gives one more astonishing description of their hunger. They became so hungry that the Bible said they began to eat their own babies. These people were desperate with hunger. When people do not fill the spiritual hunger for God with spiritual things in their homes and in their families and in their marriages, when they only feed on donkeys' heads and doves' dungs and think that's enough to hold your marriage together and to bless your family, when you and I only feed on carnal things, we don't feed our spiritual hunger with a hunger for God, then guess what? You start turning on one another. 
Hear me, church. You start devouring one another. When our spiritual hunger that God has given to us, that spiritual grill and that growling that is deep within us, when we don't feed it with the things of God, what happens is we start turning on one another. And we start devouring one another. I don't know about you, but this world is devouring each other, and there are churches devouring each other. There are Christians devouring other Christians, and Christians devouring other non-believers, and vice versa all day long. And it's just crazy to me that, that you realize it's saddening to me that I've seen over the last year and the last couple of years in the body of Christ, not only this church, but I've talked to other pastors, even our own district, of how churches have turned on one another because I'm right and I'm right and all of this, and we start devouring one another because we're not consuming the right things. Are you with me? This is what it shows that they did inside of here. They didn't feed it with the right things, with the godly things, with the things that were holy and were righteous. And so what happens is that in in our homes, that we've given the enemy a foothold into our homes, we start attacking one another and the enemy comes and divides the family and divides churches and divides workplaces and divides schools. It's really a sign of a growl for someone who needs to to, to begin to consume spiritual things and get a hunger for God that changes our attitude. That opens our eyes to bigger things, not just devouring one another. I hope you're hearing me today. And I I believe that in this room that we believe, hey, I cannot have another year like I had this last year. Can I hear an amen? And I can't sit in this addiction for another 12 months because I refuse to live like this again. The God... I have a desperation and I have a hunger for you, God, that only you can fix in my life and in my family and in my home and in this church. Lamentations 4 9 talks about hunger. He said, it says this, to be slain with a sword is better than to be slain with hunger. That's amazing. Another translation puts it, it's better to go down fighting than to sit there and die. Right? For good, for bad, hunger drives everything that we do in our lives. We see this even in Esau. Old Testament came home from a hunting trip in the Bible, and the Bible said he was so hungry that he was almost home, but his brother Jacob came out and said, listen, I'm going to offer you a bowl of beans, and if you give me that birthright, hey, I'm going to give it to you. And in a moment of weakness, because he did not feed the hunger for God, the calling that God had upon his life, he put carnal things in place of a hunger for God. And that is why fasting is so important. And this is for you, dad, in this room. And this is for you, mom, in this room. And this is for students that are listening to me today online. This is for every single person that God says that there are things that hunger will take you to that you will never reach unless you hunger for me. Because God has it all. He owns it all. And he is the one that lifts up. And the Bible says he is the one that pulls down. And here's what he promised in Matthew chapter 5, my point number 3, that if you're hungry for God, you have to know the promise. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Amen? That's the promise of the word. I don't have to conjure that up. I don't have to hope. It's a promise of God's word that if you and I hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. 
Esau lost his birthright because he fed the real hunger with donkey's heads and dove's dung instead of a hunger for God. And I'm going to tell you something. Anybody in this room, you know what? We can gravitate to that point. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've come from, what we've done for the Lord in the past, that all of us are susceptible to this. What got the prodigal son out of the pig pen in the first place? What made him, what made him come back home to the father? What was it? it well, it wasn't the smell of the stench. It wasn't the disappointment of the friends who abandoned him after he had spent all of his money. It wasn't the filth that he was living in. Well, none of those things got him back on the path to the father's house. It was one thing that brought him back to the father. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 17, it says, he asked a question. How many of my father's servants have enough bread to spare and I perish with hunger? The thing that drove the prodigal son up and out of the pig pen and the filth back to the beauty and the love and the grace of the father's house, he said it himself, I am hungry. Because hunger drives you for good and for bad in our lives. It's hunger that will cause the prodigal sons and daughters to come home. When somebody is fasting for them, hunger will wake them up out of the pig pen. That's true. Hunger will wake them up out of their addictions. Hunger will wake up the backslider. And if they won't fast for themselves, when you and I begin to fast, when we begin to pray for our families and our, our cities and our, and our governments and our, and our sons and daughters, we begin to pray for them. When we do that, God says, I will use hunger as a force that drives and pushes them back on path to the Father's house. That when nothing else works, Jesus puts it like this in Mark chapter 9. When he is talking to the disciples, as the, the father brought his demon-possessed son in front of the disciples, and the disciples were a little dumbfounded on how this is going to come out. And Jesus says, hey, let me tell you something. The only way that this young boy will be free from this demon is by prayer and fasting. That's the only way. He said it. That's the only way. Right? Hunger can set people free. Hungry for the things of the Lord. And many times we're trying to substitute other things along the pathway for only what God can do if we hunger for Him. We're trying to put in all these other things many times, hoping that it will deliver us, hoping that it will set our family member free, but really, the only thing that will truly set them free is if you and I are praying for them as we're hungering for God, as we're, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and the promise comes that we will be filled in believing that the prodigal son and daughter will come home. That there are some of our friends and associates, they're lost, they're on their way to hell, and the only thing that's going to get them out of the pig pen and back on path to the Father's house is hunger. Yeah, I'll guarantee, like most of you already know, somebody in an addiction, many times, don't, they don't even want to pray. They don't even, might not even know how to pray. 
probably don't even know how to fast. But that's where you and I can come and believe that they're going to get back on path to the Father, into the Father's house by praying and fasting for them in Jesus' name to see them delivered. Fasting is hungering for God. I hope you got that today. That if you and I come together and pray and fast during this season, listen, my stomach may growl at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, but your stomach may growl at 2 a.m. I'm talking about spiritual hunger. That may wake you up to pray. Believing God that he is going to do something great. Listen, we live in America, so I'm going to say it. We've made our bellies our God. You have to be able to tell your flesh no. And the only way you do that is through Jesus. Come on, church. Are you with me? Come on. Some of you thought, oh, I'm going to get a good goals message today. No, we're talking about fasting, hungering. Make that your goal. I'm all about goals. Do your goals. Write those down. But this is a season of fasting and prayer. If you call this your church, if you're here today and this is your first time you're visiting, we welcome you and we love you. And you may be kicking the tires here. We're glad you're here. We'd love to talk with you uh, more about this church. But if this is your church, this is what I'm calling this church to in the next 21 days. Church, church, do you hear me? I'm calling the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Don't try to stand aloof and stand back. Nah. Now, you have to do what God's calling you to do in this. It's a matter of conscience. What type of fast that you will fast for the next 21 days? And as you pray, and as you and I believe, we're believing God for greater things. That Matthew 19, 26, that with God, all things are possible. The, the Bible says in this passage that we just talked about in Mark, the, the only way to loose the spirit is when people are fasting and praying to the Lord. I want to challenge you to take a step up that your hunger would go deeper in the Lord in these next 21 days than you ever have before. You just put it in your mind. You put it in your heart. You're going to do it no matter what. On day two, when your stomach is growling, whatever, if you, had to, you skipped one meal or you skipped many meals or this or that, I just want to encourage you to do this. I know other times we... You, you know, you can look at it and say, well, I'm just going to give up Facebook. Or I'm going to give up Instagram. Well, that's great if God's calling you that. But I'm going to ask this church to give up a meal too. Because there's something about an inner groan inside of you and me when we give up a meal or a couple meals through the fast. Because when that inner growl comes, we need to know how to take that spiritually rather than allow it to control us to just go get the next snack to say, I'm going to control this because I have self-control, right? Byproduct, fruit of the Spirit. And that I'm going to take and I'm going to turn that to the Lord and I'm going to focus my prayer and my fasting for the next 21 days. And I'm going to believe God. I'm going to tell you something. We will see God move in ways that we've never seen Him move. Not just in these 21 days, but what's going to happen in the days and the months following. It's going to happen. I know people that fast regularly even beyond 21 days. They just take time. They're praying and fasting, praying and fasting. We, Kristen and I, we, we encourage our children. We ask them, what are you going to fast? 
we, we, I mean, it's not just for us. It's who's the kids in our home. I mean, that's it. We're leaving a legacy, right? I want my kids to fast after I'm gone. I want them to teach their kids how to fast, right? So what are you guys, what are we, what are you giving up? What are we giving up for the Lord? What are you surrendering? What are you giving to Jesus? How are you going to focus on him? So that's what I'm encouraging you to do as a church for these next 21 days. And don't forget our Wednesday night's prayer, uh, our prayer nights starting this Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, believing God is going to do so much greater, so much greater. And I just want to call this church to 21 days of prayer and fasting in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word that is so challenging to every single person here, online, and in Clearbrook. It is challenging for a reason. Jesus, you didn't just talk about fasting. You did it. That you fasted. The enemy came after you and tempted you during those 40 days. But you held true to your Father. You held true to the Word. And through it, you are our victor. Father, I thank you that through these 21 days, the Lord, we will see greater things and know that with you, God, all things are possible in our lives. That you're going to move us to prayer. We're going to want to pray. We're going to want to read your word. We're going to want to fast. We are going to want to dig deeper in our relationship with you more than we ever have before, God, more than just another good first Sunday of the year message. God, I pray that this word, God, cause us to be a church that goes deeper in you. Deeper, Lord. That we are tired of going through the motions. We're tired of seeing people devour one another. Help us to begin to consume the right things, Christ-like things, godly things, Lord. Those will sustain us, Lord Jesus. I pray a steady diet of that for the next 21 days through the next 12 months. And Father, I thank you that you are doing it and you are working it. And God, we pray for the prodigal sons and daughters that, Lord, even though many of them may not fast or pray, but we will for them. And we are going to believe that that is going to move them back on to the road to the Father's house. We pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.